Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Today we're finishing up this series that we've been in for weeks now uh, about loyalty. Next Sunday, uh, we'll start a new series, and it's simply going to be called Jesus. Uh, Part of that is also Carl's fault. I'll talk about that uh, next week. But uh, hopefully, if the weather leaves us alone, we'll finish up the series on Easter Sunday. Uh, So uh, we've got about three special Sundays thrown in the mix between now and Easter, but the rest of the time, uh, we're going to talk about various aspects of who Jesus is and and what Jesus did for us, and then we'll we'll finish up uh, on Easter Sunday, hopefully talking about Jesus being our hope uh, will be our title on on that Sunday. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about Jesus being the creator. Uh, which I think is a needful perspective for us because it's real easy at Christmas time just to have him parked as a little baby in a manger, and he's so much more uh, than that. <clears throat> in the series on loyalty, we uh, we start out identifying a problem that you know really loyalty is something that's hard and and difficult to find. Uh, we talked about pursuing after loyalty, how we need to uh, chase after uh, loyalty. We talked about the pattern that God gives us because he himself is always loyal, and that gives us a pattern to follow ourselves in, in loyalty. We, we talked about the practice of loyalty. Uh, loyalty involves more than just words, guys. It involves the things that we say uh, also. Uh, we talked about the passion of loyalty. Man, if Jesus was passionate enough to die for me, I ought to be passionate enough to live for him and to be loyal loyal uh, for him. We talked about the partnerships of it. Matter of fact, we talked about the partnerships for about five weeks, talking about various aspects of relationships and, and how we need to practice loyalty uh, in those relationships. Uh, we talked about the permanence of it, how even when we're going through adversity, we need to be loyal. And then last time we met together, we talked about the pain of loyalty, because when other people are disloyal to us, it really, really hurts but we need to continue being loyal ourselves just because others are, are disloyal. Today we're going to finish up the series by talking about the promise. God rewards the loyal. God rewards the loyal. Now, now unpark your mind for a minute before you run the wrong direction. I'm not saying that by you being loyal, you earn your salvation. You understand that? Our salvation is by grace. It's God's unmerited favor. It's what Jesus did for us on the cross and our faith in him. That's totally a finished deal, our salvation, if in fact you know Christ as Savior. But the rewards, (laughs) that's something that's still happening in our lives. The the rewards that, that we can... A mass for Jesus' sake, not for our sake, so we can walk around and strut around in heaven one day and say, look at what I did. We're telling the Bible what we'll do with those rewards, those crowns. We'll cast them at his feet. But, but right now, we still have the opportunity to work on rewards as we serve Jesus. None of us should have the mentality, all right, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing until I go to heaven. We ought to honor what Christ has done for us by our loyalty. And through doing so, we're going to find out that God rewards the loyal. 
Now, hopefully, Christmas season ought to be a really, really good time to be loyal to Jesus. Amen? After all, we're focusing on God becoming man. We're focusing on that little baby growing up, living a perfect, sinless life, going to the cross, dying on that cross to pay the full penalty of our sins. When we think about Jesus and what he's done for us, Christmas season above all times, you know, except maybe Easter, ought to be a time that's really easy to be loyal. But... (laughs) We live in a real world, don't we? And Christmas season can be pretty challenging to our loyalty and our Christian attitudes. After all, we've got to plan the family get-togethers and gatherings, and sometimes you don't even want to see some of them anyway. Be honest. We, we've got to get our, our, our Christmas list together and, and go do all the shopping and put up with all the extra traffic on the highway and, and all the people in the parking lots that are driving us crazy. We go into the stores trying to find that perfect gift that we can buy and, and the people are being really nice, bumping us out of the way with a shopping cart so they can grab the last item that was there on the counter that we were planning on buying for someone ourselves. In other words, it can be challenging to have a Christian attitude and be loyal to Christ at Christmas. But if we be totally honest, it's not just the hustle and the bustle of the Christmas season that challenges us and gives us some difficulty with our loyalty because the truth of the matter is this. The Bible says we have an enemy that's going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. So, so we've got temptation and all kinds of things in our uh, lives that challenge us the rest of the year about being loyal to Christ. That's why I wanted to end this series on loyalty, thinking about <clears throat> the fact that God promises to reward the loyal. I understand loyalty is hard to achieve many times. But, but maybe if we would factor this into our mindset. Every time we're thinking about being disloyal, remember how loyal God is. Every time we're thinking about being disloyal, remind yourself this. Hey, but God says he's going to reward my loyalty. So maybe that ought to be a a motivation for you and a motivation for me for us to be loyal. So we're going to look at some different passages of scripture, kind of a topical type message, but hopefully find some, some strong scriptural motivations for us to be loyal. So begin with, join me in Revelation chapter 2. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 10. We're going to talk about the motivation to hold on to our faith. If we will have this motivation, this determination, this, this dedication to, to radically say, you know what, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what's going on in the world, I'm going to hold on to my faith then that itself can help us to be more loyal. <clears throat> the scriptures that I'm about to read is Jesus speaking to one of those seven churches in Revelation. It's a church called Thyatira. I'll give you some background to the church in just a moment. Uh, Jesus says more to this church than he says to any of the rest of them. Some of us good, some of us not so good. Matter of fact, some of us pretty bad. And, and what he will say... <clears throat> to this church. I'm going to pick up in verse 25 because in the context of all the other verses we're looking at, we can't deal with all the verses. I'll just talk you through some of what Jesus says to the church at Thyatira. But beginning in verse 25, Jesus says this to those believers, only hold fast what you have until I come. 
Hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, I will give him, talking about the one who conquers or the one who overcomes, I will give him the morning star. And then Jesus says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In other words, a message here for us. There's a message for the rest of the churches in that day and time, and we need to hear what he's saying. Now, that was from the ESV. I want to read part of that in the NIV. Only hold of what you have until I come. To him who overcomes, the uh, ESV said to, to him who conquers. But here it says, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Let me give you a little bit of background to the church in Thyatira. The church in Thyatira was recognized as kind of a corrupt, compromising church. Yes, they were doing some good things, but they were compromising with the world in some ways they should not have compromised with the world. It was a commercial center, and they had a lot of trade deals, what they called it in that day and time. And those trade deals were connected uh, to some of the, the, the Roman pagan uh, gods that were there in the city. So it was connected to paganism, to idolatry, and also to uh, uh, immoral sexual practices that they, they had tied to these trade guilds. Guys, we need to recognize something, and that is this. Both idolatry and immorality are enemies of the church and of God. We, we need to be on guard against just compromising with the rest of the world. And that's kind of what Jesus is going to be talking to them about. In that city, there was a temple to Apollo, who was the uh, sun god, S-U-N. It's kind of interesting that since there's a city uh, there where this church was located, and they had a temple to the S-U-N god, that Jesus reveals himself and what he says to this church as the son of God, the S-O-N of God. Inside that temple, they would have practices like even sexual practices taking place as they were worshiping the sun god apollo the bible in revelation gives us a picture of jesus being one with blazing eyes in other words he sees everything and jesus looks at this church of fire tower and he sees and he makes some comments the first thing jesus says is more or less a word of approval to them because he tells them if you'll read in the in the verses previous to what I read for you a moment ago, he, he gives some approval to them because he says, hey, I, I see your faith and your love and your patience. So he's telling them you're doing some good things. I, I see things that you're doing, ministry that you're doing toward others that demonstrate faith. I, I see the ministry that you're practicing toward others that demonstrate love. I, I see the ministry that you're doing for, for me that, that demonstrates your, your patience. But there was also some accusations that Jesus is going to make against them. You see, here's, here's the thing about it that we need to remember in this day and time in the church. No amount of loving and sacrificial ministry can compensate for the tolerance of sinfulness or evil in the church. It's going to be in the world. But that doesn't mean we're supposed to adopt what the world is doing and bring it right into the church. 
We're, we're not to compromise and, and start winking at everything that's taking place in our culture and pat everybody on the back and say, it's okay, just keep doing what you're doing. God loves you. You see, that's more or less what Jesus is saying about this church of Thyatira. They, they were demonstrating works. They, they were showing their faith. They were showing their love to others. They were, they were prideful about their ministry, maybe even to others. But at the same time, they were compromising with evil. They were compromising with sin. And that's why Jesus has a charge against them. <clears throat> so he had a word of approval, but he has some words of accusations. The church was permitting, if you'll read all this story uh, there, all the verses about Thyatira, the church was permitting a, a woman that was a false prophetess to influence the people to lead them into compromise, to lead them into the practice of the culture of that day. Now, he calls her Jezebel. That's probably not a real name. That's probably symbolic, and here's why. When was the last time you heard anybody named Jezebel? You might have called somebody Jezebel, but when was, hey, mothers, how many of you want to name your baby Jezebel, your baby daughter Jezebel? So that's not in our mindset. So that's probably why it wasn't the real name. Jesus uses that name that refers to a wicked queen in the Old Testament that was leading people to worship Baal. So Jesus is using that name to say, hey, this woman, this false prophet's kind of like Jezebel. And she's leading people to worship idols. She's leading people in, in a wrong direction. And just like similar to the doctrines of, of Baal, that that Jezebel was leading them toward this Jezebel, this woman that he calls Jezebel, was leading believers in this church in Thyatira to compromise with Roman religion and temple sexual practices. She was leading the church to compromise with the pagan world. They were not only tolerant of evil, they were even unwilling to repent of evil. And you can see that because Jesus threatens to use this church, Thyatira, as an example for the rest of the churches by judging them. <clears throat> Jesus also gives a word of admonition. By that, I'm, I'm saying he, not, not everybody was bad. <laughs> not everybody was compromising. Not everyone was following this woman by the name of, uh, of Jezebel, that's symbolically named Jezebel by Jesus. There, there were some there in this assembly that were faithful to the Lord, and, and Jesus has a, a special word for them. They had separated themselves from the false doctrine and the compromising practices of this false prophetess and her followers. Jesus had denounced the so-called deep secrets of Satan. If you'll read that on up earlier in the passage of Scripture. And Jesus doesn't necessarily make any big demands of them, but he says this. He says he simply wants them to hold fast in their resistance to evil till he comes. I, I want you to hold what you have. Quit giving up territory. Don't compromise. Hold the faith that you have until I come back. And that's the mentality that we need to have. It will help us be more loyal to Jesus if we'll say we're going to quit giving up territory to the devil. We're going to quit giving up territory to the enemy. We're going to hold on to the faith that we have until he comes back. That's the first mention of the return of Jesus in the book of Revelation, what we normally refer to as, as the rapture. 
The believers in, in Thyatira are promised those that overcome. They're promised authority over the nations, which really means this. They're going to get to rule and reign with Jesus. So will we. We'll get to rule and reign with Jesus one day. The Bible tells us that in Revelation 20 and verse 4, that, that believers will get to rule and reign with him one day. And that's what Jesus is saying to these believers in Thyatira. When he sets up his kingdom on the earth, it's going to be a righteous kingdom. A perfect justice will be there. And Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. That's what Psalm 2 verse 89 tells us. And rebellious men will be like clay pots that are easily broken into pieces. In Revelation twenty-two sixteen, because Jesus mentioned, I'll give them the, the bright and morning star. Jesus, in Revelation 22, verse 16, the Bible tells us who the bright and morning star is. The bright and morning star is Jesus Christ himself. Although some theologians believe there might be a little bit of an allusion to Satan here. And here's why. One of Satan's names is Lucifer, which means bright star. So Jesus, maybe he's painting a contrast here. Those that are following this Jezebel, those that are compromising with the world... Those that were given evidence that they probably weren't even authentic believers to, to begin with. Here's what they'll get. They'll get Lucifer as their star. But those who overcome our star, our bright morning star, will be Jesus Christ himself. So think about that for a minute. If Jesus Christ is our inheritance, if we get Jesus Christ because we're overcomers and we're remaining faithful, if we get Jesus Christ to be our bright morning star for all eternity... What does it matter what the world does to us? What does it matter if we're rejected and criticized and persecuted because of our loyalty to Jesus? Because guess what? We get the bright morning star, Jesus Christ himself. It's even worded in such a way that, that when you read it in the original language, it makes it sound like there's such a close connection between us and Jesus. It's like he belongs to us. He's ours for all eternity. There's an application that we need to make, though, from this story of Thyatira for ourselves. Just like Thyatira, our love can be increased. In other words, we can say, oh, we love people. Our ministry toward others can be increasing. We can be prideful about all the stuff we might do to try and help people and be real prideful about everything that we're doing. But if at the same time we're compromising with sin, we're compromising with the world, we're missing God's best and God's blessing for our lives and for the church. The application for us is that we need to hold on to the faith that we have in Jesus. We need to hold on to the territory that we have for Jesus. We need to hold on to the truth of God's word. We need to guard against compromise with the world system. Instead of you and I as believers surrendering to the world, we need to conquer the world. And instead of us giving in to sin and temptation, we need to be the overcomers that Jesus talked about. We need to hold on and hold fast to our faith because by being loyal to Jesus, we're promised this reward that we will rule with him one day and that we will have Jesus as our bright and morning star for all eternity. Whatever our loyalty costs us, it'll be worth it because we have Jesus. No darkness, no night over there, no sickness, no death, nothing. Jesus will be our bright and morning star. And he said, let anyone that has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches.
The, the Spirit is saying to the churches, avoid compromise with the world. Don't compromise with the world. Stay true to Christ. Stay true to our faith. Hold on to what we've got until he comes. Second scriptural motivation that we are going to look at this morning is, is this. The motivation to be a faithful and wise servant. The, the story that Jesus is going to tell here really gives us two choices. We can be an evil, wicked servant or we can be a, a faithful and wise servant. In, in Matthew 24, Jesus says this, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then, and here's a question we're going to talk about in detail in a moment, who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. So you know he's not literally talking about cutting him in pieces because he's putting him with the hypocrites. In the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want us to... <clears throat> Ask ourselves three main questions here. This whole section deals with the coming of Christ for his professing church. We, we started reading there in verse 24, but if you keep reading all the way down through Matthew 25 and verse 30, Jesus is dealing with, with his coming and, and the judgment seat, not of our sins, but of our works. His judgment seat. And since we don't know the hour of the return of Christ, he's trying to communicate to us. He's telling us we need to be ready for his return. We need to be like a faithful servant awaiting the return of his master. Because we have these two choices, we can be like the faithful and wise servant, or we can be like wicked servants. So consider with me really three important questions. Question number one is this. It's a great question. <laughs> Might be a scary question, but it's a great one. The point is, how will I answer it? How will you answer this question? Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Think about that question. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Might be an uncomfortable question, but think about it. Who is the faithful and wise servant? Is it you? Is it me? Is it us? Are we the faithful and wise servant? Or are we the servant that's giving people the spiritual food they need at the proper time? Or are we the servant that's giving people the, the physical needs that, that they need in their lives at, at the proper time? 
See, that's what he's called us to. He's called us to be faithful servants, to minister to people in their lives. And guys, sometimes the trick in ministry, in effective ministry is this, doing it at the proper time. At the time when we know it's needed, at the time when there's an open door to their heart. That's what he's called us to. God hasn't called us to be popular. We need to figure that out in this day and time. It's not our task to be popular. We're to be obedient servants. We're to be loyal servants. We're not supposed to be popular in the world that we live in. We're supposed to be popular with Jesus. Another important question is this. He gives a great promise here, but the question is, will I be blessed by it? Will I be blessed by this promise? Will you be blessed by this promise? Jesus said, blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing so. In other words, find him faithfully serving when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. The word that's used there in the Greek for blessed is the word that means to be uh, blessed in a big way, supremely blessed. And when he says he will set him over his possessions, that, that phrase set him over means to place down permanently to designate that he's over all of his possessions. Be, being found faithfully serving Jesus has a great reward. We're not earning our salvation. I said a moment ago, we're not earning our forgiveness through serving. We are serving Jesus because he's already our master. We're serving Jesus because we're already saved. We're serving Jesus because he saved us by his grace. We've been saved by faith. Our eternal salvation, if you know Christ as your Savior, your eternal salvation is settled. It's a done deal. It will never, ever change. But our rewards can change. We can lose rewards or we can gain rewards. And that's what Jesus is talking about. There's several places in the Bible, concerning rewards, you see, our rewards aren't settled. Your salvation settled, but hey, right now you can still be doing things for Jesus to build rewards. And there's several places in the Bible we can look at, but I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15 for just a moment. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, that's the way you're saved, that's the foundation. He's the foundation. He's a foundation for your life. He's a foundation for your eternity. If you know Christ as Savior. So there's no other foundation we can lay. However, we're supposed to be building upon Jesus. Building upon that foundation. He says, now if anyone builds on the foundation, Jesus, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day, talking about that day of judgment by Christ, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation, Jesus survives, he will receive a reward. So in other words, guys, we we need to be doing the right kind of work, the, the kind of work God wants us to, the lasting, meaningful work built upon him. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as though fire. Another way of saying that, he's saved by the skin of his teeth. Another way to say that. 
He, he's not saying that person is lost, but, but he's got a great loss. He loses rewards. Now look at the illustration that Jesus gives. If you take gold, silver, and precious stones and you submit them to fire, you can melt the gold, but once the gold is melted, it's still gold. <laughs> and when it cools back off, it's still gold. Same thing with silver, same thing with precious stone. Precious stone probably won't melt unless you really, really, really get it hot. You might kind of smoke it up a little bit, but it's still a precious stone. So it's something that will, will stand the test of fire or the test of, of judgment for the kind of works we're doing for Jesus. But if the kind of works we're building upon the foundation that's Jesus is made of wood, hay, and straw, what happens when you put wood, hay, and straw to fire? Burns up. Disappears. And you see, that's the point that Jesus is making. We need to be serving Jesus. We need to be loyal. We need to be like that good and faithful servant. In order not that we can earn our salvation, that happens through faith in Jesus. <clears throat> but we need to have works in our lives building upon Christ that will last, that will result in rewards instead of disappearing one day and, and us having a loss of rewards. In other words, you and I need to be the kind of servants who will be supremely blessed because of our faithfulness will be entrusted in all things as we help Jesus rule and reign. The third question is this. There's a great warning that Jesus gives, and our question is, do I need to be concerned? Do I need to be concerned? Jesus said, but if that wicked servant says to himself, hey, my master's delayed. That's the way some people in our culture today, well, I've heard Jesus is coming back all my life. He's not coming back yet. I don't know if he's ever coming back. I'm just going to go live the way I want to live. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know. And when that happens, he's in trouble because he, the, the descriptive language here, he's, he's punished, he's cut in pieces, put with the hypocrites in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, the wicked servant is the one that thinks, hey, because the master's not back yet, I'll go play however I want to. You know, when the cat's away, the mice is going to play. That type of mentality. I don't see Jesus coming back in the eastern sky this morning or tonight or whatever. So I'm going to go have a party. I'm going to go have, have some fun. I'm going to go live however I want to. I don't care what God says about it. It's kind of the, the mentality that's being addressed here. But see, the problem with us living our lives like that is this. We don't know when he might come back. Wouldn't it be embarrassing for you as a believer to be caught in a compromised position and Jesus come back while you're in that compromised position? When you, when you don't know when he's coming. And another part of the problem is this. The larger problem is that the type of servant that has this type of attitude, they're pretty much communicating they don't really love the master anyway. They, they don't love the master. You go live like that. It's like you're not communicating that you love Jesus. You just go live however you want to live your life. 
You need to be aware that he could come back at any moment. Do you need to be concerned about that this morning? Do you need to be concerned that Jesus may come back and you're not ready? You see, if you keep reading through that passage of Scripture, and we don't have time to read that passage this morning, but if you kept reading through that passage of Scripture, you're going to read about... Ten virgins that were ready when the bridegroom came at night, they had oil in their lamps. And you're going to read about ten virgins that did not have oil in their lamps and they were not ready when the bridegroom came in the middle of the night. And that's a picture of Jesus come back and some being ready and some not being ready. So maybe you need to ask yourself this morning, are you ready if Jesus were to come back right now? If we keep reading on in this passage of Scripture, Jesus goes on to talk about a master giving money to servants and asking them to use those ser- to use that money to increase those talents is what the, the money was called. Two of them go and multiply the money, the gift that G- the, the master gave them, a picture of what Jesus gives us. And one, because he heard the master was hard, went and buried it in the ground and didn't do anything with it. Hey, we need to ask ourselves, are we doing something with what Jesus has given us? Not just on our finances, but in our time, in our talents, in our abilities. Are you and I doing something with what Jesus has done for us? Are we doing something with the grace of God that he's given us? What are we doing for Jesus? Are we doing something with it or are we stuck it in a hole in the ground? He promises reward to those who are are faithfully serving him we can receive rewards one day not so we can brag about it so we can brag about him so we can honor him the third scriptural motivation is is this the motivation of god's ultimate justice and i'm gonna read the scripture in a minute but i want you to think about applying it two ways God will give ultimate justice one day, and there's no arguing in his courtroom whether he's right or wrong. We need to be concerned about that, even as Christians at the judgment seat of Christ. But the main way I want you to apply it is this. If you being loyal to Jesus causes you to face persecution from the world out there, and it will. I promise you, it will. Just go ahead and mark it down. It will happen. If you're going to live your life loyal to Jesus, I promise you, you're going to face some difficulties and problems. But when that happens, it's okay, because ultimately, Jesus is going to make it all right. His ultimate justice that will take place one day. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 18. He said, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Man, right there's a a goal for you and, and for me in our lives. When we face difficulties, don't quit. Don't surrender territory. Hold on to what we have till Jesus comes back. What you and I need to do when we're facing difficulties is always pray and not lose heart. Pray and not lose heart. Be determined that we're not going to lose heart. We're not going to give in. He said, in a certain city, there's a judge who neither feared God or respected man. In other words, he didn't give a hoot what God thought, and he didn't care for people. And there's a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. In other words, there's somebody persecuting her. There's somebody mistreating her. There's somebody doing her wrong. For a while, this judge refused. But afterward, the judge said this to himself. 
Though I neither feared God, he's self-aware of himself a little bit, isn't he? Though I neither feared God nor respect man. You see, that's a problem. Judges ought to fear God and care about people. Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, it's like a dripping faucet. Man, it won't stop. She just keeps on and she keeps on and she keeps on. Because she keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she'll not beat me down by her continual coming. He, he was sick and tired of it. That's the only reason he gave her justice. But look at the contrast that Jesus is painting. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? And really, when you read that in the regional, it's saying, will he find this kind of faith on the earth? Think about that story for a minute that Jesus tells. When we decide to be loyal, as I said a moment ago, it's going to cost us something. So Jesus tells this parable about a woman who's being persecuted, mistreated by an adversary, and she's continually coming to this judge who could care less. He, he didn't give a hoot for her. He didn't give a hoot for what God thought or anything at all. But because she keeps coming and she keeps asking and she keeps bothering, he, he finally breaks down and gives her justice. The word that's translated bothering me means give me a black eye. <laughs> oh, she wasn't literally going up to judge and giving him a black eye, but by her continually coming to him and him not giving her justice, the word started to creep out and his character was getting a black eye. It was ruining his reputation because he was supposed to have been a, a judge that would judge right about things. And he really didn't care about that because this woman kept coming and asking, coming and asking, coming and asking. He's not doing what's right. The word started getting out. I guarantee that woman was telling some people and it was hurting his character. That's why he decided to give in and give her justice. It was vexing him. But see, here's the contrast that Jesus is painting. If an unrighteous judge who could care less about God or people, if an unrighteous judge would hear and give justice, how much more will our God hear us and give us justice? God is never vexed by our prayers. God never says quit coming. Instead, God wants us to come all the more. He wants us to pray without ceasing. He wants us to come and bring our concerns and our cares to him. Don't be dismayed at what seems like sometimes a slow response from God either. It's his time and not ours, but he still always does what's right. He still always does what is just. Don't think of God's delay as unanswered prayers, but rather God accomplishing his purposes somehow. But God, because he's a righteous judge, one day will respond and will answer. And that's the thought I want you to key in on. Being loyal to Jesus is going to cost you something. Being loyal to Jesus is going to cause you to face some persecution and some affliction and some hurt feelings in your life because of the way other people might treat you. But it's okay when that happens because one day our righteous judge will judge everything rightly. 
will make everything right. And we need to hold on to that as a purpose and a reason for you and I to have the motivation to be loyal. No matter what it costs us, Jesus will make it right one day. We need to stay loyal to God. And when doing so causes us to face injustices in this world, we need to pray and not lose heart. We need to stay loyal with the assurance that our righteous judge will give us justice one day. Jesus tells a story, a parable about a courtroom appearance. But you and I, we're not going into a court of law. Here's what you and I get to do. We get to approach the throne of grace. Amen? We're not going into a room of law. We get to approach God, and he's there upon his throne of grace who graciously wants to hear us and graciously wants to respond. That's who we get to approach. The the greater question is not the faithfulness of God in this text, but the faithfulness of men because Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, when Jesus returns, will he find that kind of faith on the earth? Will he find the kind of faith that continues to ask and continues to pray and refuses to lose heart and continues to be loyal to him no matter what happens? Is that the kind of faith that Jesus will find on the earth when he comes back? See, there are a lot of motivations for us to be loyal. I simply want us to look at three of them today. Three three scriptural motivations. I I think we only really need one. It's one I'm not even mentioning today. The fact that God became man, the fact that Jesus came into this world and lived a sinless, perfect life and went to the cross willingly and died for my sin and for your sin. And he took his life back up to show that through him we can have everlasting life. And he's at the right hand of the Father praying for us today. That's all the motivation we ought to have to be loyal to Jesus. That we should need to be loyal to Jesus. But also, I think it will help us to get this promise of reward, not promise of salvation, promise of reward. As believers who are already saved, we ought to be motivated to hold on to our faith. We live in a world, guys, that more and more, more and more, day after day, more and more the lines are being blurred. Or sometimes the lines are being totally erased between the world culture and the church. That's why we need to hold on to what we have. I'm not saying be satisfied with that, but that's what Jesus told those believers in in Thyatira. Hold to what you have. Keep resisting the the wickedness and the compromise with the world till I come back. And that's a message still for us today. Secondly, we ought to be motivated to be faithful and wise servants. He's coming back. We don't know when. (laughs) Let's be doing what he wants us to do when he comes back. Third thing is we ought to be motivated by God's ultimate justice. No matter what we face because of our loyalty to Jesus, we can always pray and refuse to lose heart, and we can approach the throne of grace and find the help that we need. I'm going to close with this verse found in Hebrews chapter 4. Let us with confidence. Hey, we can't do that because of who we are, but we can do it through the blood of Jesus and what he's done for us. Let us with confidence draw near the throne of grace 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let's just be loyal to Jesus. Let's be that faithful and wise servant. Let's be doing what he wants us to do, no matter what it costs us, because we can always approach his throne of grace and find the help and the grace we need to make it through whatever we face because we're being loyal to him. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for all the weeks that you led us through this series of, about loyalty. And God, while we come to an end today of this series, God, help us guard our hearts that we don't let the, the, the truths and the principles you've taught us from your word about loyalty. God, let's not help us to where we don't let them escape from our, from our hearts, from our minds, from our daily practices as we live. Lord, if there's someone in this room with us this morning that doesn't know Christ as Savior, God, help them to be honest right now with themselves and admit that they've been disloyal, admit that they, they've never even had a foundation to be loyal, admit that they're sinners and they, they can't save themselves, admit that they're standing on, on, on dangerous territory on, on sinking sand and help them to understand that you've given a foundation stone your son jesus christ that we can bank our lives and our eternity on that we can stand upon that we can have works for you that we can build upon the foundation of jesus Father, if there's someone here that's never said yes to Jesus, help them this morning to see that need. And, and God, call them to yourself to trust in, in the finished work of your Son on the cross. And God, help us as believers who already know Christ to be more loyal. Remind us that you're a loyal God. Remind us that you promise rewards to us and in being loyal to you. And, and Father, help us to, not just when we're in this place, but God, especially when we're outside the walls of this place, when we're living out in a, in a real world. Father, help us to practice loyalty in that world. God, help us to go forth from this place always and honor you with our lives. And one day, if there's any rewards that come along, give us the predetermined awareness that we'll cast them at your feet to glorify you one day. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.